Well, good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, we're glad that you're here. Thanks for uh, listening in, watching in to our uh, live stream feed on Facebook. And again, we're very, very glad that you chose to join us here at uh, Wyoming Valley Church. Uh, as everybody said, these are uh, strange, weird days, but we're glad that we can gather, that we can fellowship together around God's Word and uh, communion this morning. And we're thankful for that. I don't know if I have ever been uh, involved in a virtual uh, communion service, but that was a sweet time and an important time for us to take care of our uh, relationship with God and to uh, focus in on that for a few minutes, and I'm very thankful for that occasion, and thanks for joining us. Um, as Pastor Todd said, uh, next week uh, is going to be a special time. It's a great time. People uh, are thinking about church, thinking about Christ, thinking about uh, their lives, and next week would be a great opportunity to invite people to uh, watch if that's what God has for us. And so that flyer that um, Pastor Todd that we showed a few a few moments ago will be available uh, online that you can download and, uh, and and have with you, or you can print or share it on social media or whatever. And we're going to try to do that for our service next Sunday morning for today's service. If you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do. Please take your copy of the scriptures and turn with me to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 2, and I'm going to, 22, and I'm going to be reading for you uh, the, verse, the first 14 verses of that passage. It's a familiar one. If you grew up in Sunday school days, uh, you probably are very familiar with the story of Abraham and Isaac. In this passage, God actually tells um, Abraham that he wanted him to sacrifice his son. In the Old Testament, uh, culture especially, there was a sacrificial system. Uh, in Scripture, it started, remember the story in, in earlier in Genesis about Cain and Abel and how they brought uh, supplies, fruit, and then animals that they had grown for our, as, as a sacrifice, as a commitment to God. And uh, that started there, and certainly there was a problem there. And it continues all the way through Scripture, where in the Old Testament they did a uh, uh, the sacrifice to repent of their sin and to show again God their, their, to God their dedication to God. And then obviously uh, it goes all the way up through the New Testament where God in Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 tells us to be a living sacrifice, to give everything that we have. So we're going to talk about that. And of course, folks, before I read this passage, of course it's important for us to remember that the greatest sacrifice of all and Pastor Todd will share this next week, is when the Heavenly Father, God, Almighty God, was willing to sacrifice His Son. Most familiar verse in the Bible, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, His only begotten Son. And uh, He did that for us. That's the greatest sacrifice ever. But here's the sacrifice that I want to read to you about. And uh, we'll uh, talk about that as we uh, go through our service today. Uh, Genesis chapter 22, I'm reading from the New King James, verses uh, 1 through 14. Genesis 22, uh, 1 through 14. Now, it came to pass after these things, you can read in your copy of the scripture and find out what those are, that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, <coughs> excuse me, and go to the land of Moriah 
and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Verse 3, so Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and he took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and he rose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and he saw the place afar off. Abraham And Abraham said to his young men, his servants, stay here with a donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. So Abraham, verse 6, took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. He took a fire in his hand in those days. That was probably hot coals in an earthen, a clay uh, pot of some kind, and uh, uh, the fire in the wood. And he took the fire to his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. Verse 7, but Isaac at that occasion spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, <coughs> the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, "My verse 8, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went on together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son. And he laid him on the altar upon the wood and Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son verse 11 but the angel of the Lord called to them from called him from heaven and he said Abraham Abraham so he said here I am he said do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him for now I know that you fear God that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. In verse 13, then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham, verse 14, called the name of the place, the Lord will provide as it is said to this day in the mount of the lord it shall be provided let's pray we'll ask god's blessing upon our bible study today pray with me please and uh, then we'll look into this passage and this familiar story a little bit together father i thank you for your word and i pray that your word would be real and uh it is relevant but father i pray that our hearts would be open and responsive to what you have for us. And God, I pray that you'd use your word in our hearts, my heart. We need to hear from you, and it's important as we gather uh, electronically, but we gather together today to study your word. God, use your word. Help us to grow. Help us to become more like Christ. Father, I thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, This passage starts where... God is having this conversation with Abraham, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, On the PowerPoint slide, I don't know if you can see that clearly at home, but uh, I actually Googled uh, Mount Moriah. This is a picture 
I, I'm very thankful to people who post their pictures <coughs> on Google Images and so on. And so this is the terrain that we're talking about here. God said to Abraham, we're going to talk a little bit more about this. I want you to go to this specific mountain. I want you to go to this specific place. And in fact, the Bible says that to this day, it is still called that God will provide. That's the name of the mountain. And so this is uh, the terrain there. Uh, one of the things that I want to talk with you about, and if you have the notes that you have found there on Facebook or even from the slides that I'm going to show you all the way through, that my title today is The Parallel Perspectives of God's Purpose. The Parallel Perspectives of God's Purpose. And I want to talk with you just for a minute about that idea of, of being parallel or parallelism. And I know you know this, that um, uh, something that are parallel are two lines that are evenly spread apart that never meet. However, in literature, there actually is a technique in literature of parallelism. In other words, there, there are storylines in literature, in a, in a narrative, that proceed side by side, but and I put this on the notes, that converge somewhere in that story. And that is exactly what happens here. What I want to do is take a few moments, and we're going to do this quickly, and talk with you a little bit about God's perspective from the story, but also I'm going to talk with you a little bit as we close about Abraham's perspective. And we're going to look at some things that this passage teaches us about the nature and the character of God which is really, really, really important for us to grasp. And then we're going to look at Abraham's response and then how he was uh, willing to do exactly what God wanted him to do. He was obedient to God. But we're going to look at this from, from two perspectives. And there's a lot of stories in the Bible that use this technique. In fact, um, some of the poetry in Psalms also uses a parallel uh, process, writing process and uh, a technique. And here, I, I just want you to notice that God's purpose and Abraham's purpose, which we've all seen pictures like this, that the two perspectives converge in the storyline and in our lives as well. So I'm going to tell you right when we get started that this is exactly what I want, I want you to grasp, I, that I want to grasp from the message this morning. And that is this, God is at work in our lives. God's perspective and our lives need to converge, okay? That we need to be able to see what God is doing in our lives and that God does not waste what he's doing in our lives. So we're going to talk about that as, as, we, as we go through. In the notes, if you downloaded or looking at the notes, and if you didn't, it's not that big a deal today because it's really... And Abraham's perspective... And then there's actually three blanks in the chart. And we'll, you, we'll, you'll see how that fits together if you're taking notes this morning. Okay, so let's, let's get started again on the passage. Verse, 20, verse 1 of chapter 22 says this. And it's important, folks. It really is. It's important to grasp this as we get started. It says there in verse 20, and ver, excuse me, I keep saying that, verse 1 of chapter 22. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. <laughs> that word test is pretty important that we grasp that. Students, young people, children, if you're watching today, please don't think 
that that means school, right? That that means the teacher's trying to find out what you know. God, God's not doing that here. God knows exactly how Abraham responds. God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. Uh, he's sovereign. It is not that God doesn't know. God is doing this as a learning experience, if you will, for Abraham. He wanted Abraham to grasp the lesson, and that is that if you're willing to give God everything you have, the most important thing in your life, which in this case for Abraham was Isaac, his son. By this time in the story, sometime read through the narrative of Genesis, God had already promised Abraham that in his family, in his seed, all the nations of the world would be blessed. And he does that again later on in this chapter. And so this is pretty important that God had already promised Abraham that. And God wanted Abraham to understand that his promises would be fulfilled. And he wanted Abraham to, to have that kind of confidence, that trust in Almighty God. And so um, the learning experience of the test is important for us to grasp. There is a very, very important uh, New Testament verse that teaches us the same thing. If you have a pen or pencil handy, certainly... Um, uh, jot these references down. Again, if you underline your Bible, these would be great verses to underline. But in 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verses 6 and 7, I just quoted some of that on the PowerPoint. But verses 6 and 7, it says this. <coughs> Peter is writing, and he writes this. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Folks, that's important right now. Let's take a breath. Let's smile really big as we're home in our jammies and maybe with mask on or whatever. This is, this is getting hard. It's getting old. It really is. Um, and it, it, it strains patience. I, I get that. But folks, for eternity's sake... For God's sake, even for our lives, this is just for a little while. Paul, Peter is writing to his uh, readership here, and he's saying it's just for a little while. It's okay. Uh, and you can rejoice in that. And then he says this, which I, I put on the PowerPoint, that the genuineness of your faith, the real, the reality, the authenticness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes Gold, the economy is in the news all the time too, but it's, that's going to go away. That's going to perish. The finances, that's not that important compared to eternity, but our faith is, our relationship with Christ is. And then it says this, though the, the, your faith, though it is tested by, by fire, tested, remember that word? Tested by fire may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ in eternity. The lessons that we learn, our faith being tested, can help the genuineness, the authenticness of our faith. The COVID-19 thing is just, it, it, it may seem, seem long, but it's just for a little while compared to eternity. So folks, it's important for us to understand that um, what God is doing 
is working on our faith, and he wants our faith to be genuine. I, I have told you this a bunch of times before, but uh, uh, I was a basketball player in high school and college, and you've heard me say this before, not because I had talent, I had size, and uh, I, I played basketball. And I remember uh, one time in high school, our team in high school was getting ready, actually, for the state tournament. And our coach, who really was a creative leader, somewhere along the line in his travels, got a tape recording of, I think if I remember correctly, and that was a long time ago, of the national championship. This is, uh, this is supposed to be Final Four weekend, so I'm, I'm very sad about that anyway, and we'll probably break out into tears about no basketball but he uh, went to the, had, in our practices, he would actually play the tape from the crowd at the national championship. And in fact, in our practices, we were getting ready for the states, and we were from this little town uh, in northeastern Pennsylvania, and we weren't ready to play in those big arenas and a, lot, a big cr- crowd and all that kind of stuff. So he would play this tape, and he actually hired referees, and they would come in with the striped shirts and the whistles, you know, and right in the middle of a play, the buzzer would go off or some dumb thing. And it made us realize, okay, this simulates reality, but it wasn't real. And it was very easy very, to, to, to quickly understand, this, this isn't real. What God is doing in our lives is real. What God is doing in Abraham's life back in Genesis chapter 22 is real. And God brings tests into our lives so that we can, uh, that our faith can become even more genuine, even more authentic. We live in a day of contrived reality. It's made up. Our faith life is real. Eternity, folks, friends, eternity is real. And it's important that we learn the lessons. And here, we're going to look at this story. I read it to you already. From God's perspective quickly, then Abraham's perspective at the end. And then learn the lessons, hopefully learn the lessons that God has for us in our little chart that we're crafting today. So let's talk about God's perspective. Number one is, is I'm just going to talk about the word direction in the first box. Let me, let me build a principle around that one word. God is certainly big enough for us to direct us to do his will. Somehow along the line, as the years have gone on since Scripture, we got the idea somehow that God's will is nebulous, that God's will can't be known, that God's will is our choice. And I think this passage teaches us that God will direct. I love, and I know you do too, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. In all thy ways acknowledge him. He will, folks, he will direct your paths. The, I'm so thankful, looking back at our lives, how God has always directed us to do His will. And I think from, we'll get there, the convergence of these two perspectives, is I think Abraham was, was so willing to be obedient because it was clear in his mind what God wanted him to do. And let me point that out to you. Right away in the beginning of this, ver- in this, beginning of this passage, look at verse 2 with me. God is speaking to Abraham, and I talked to you about the test thing already. But verse 2 says this, God said, he said, take 
now your son, your only son, and in Isaac, again, all the nations of the world would be blessed. This is God's promise to Abraham. And, and just to be clear, it's Isaac who we're talking about, whom you love. And then he says, um, and go to the land of Moriah. I showed you the picture earlier of Mount Moriah. And offer him there as a burnt offering. And then even this, on one of the mountains of which I will tell you, God, God was pretty clear. God was pretty clear. Now he's asking Abraham, folks, please listen. He's asking Abraham to do something incredibly hard, incredibly difficult. Sacrifice his son. Honestly, even this morning, and, and getting ready, I got up early this morning, and I was reading this passage over. This, this passage chokes me up. I'm a dad. I have, I have a daughter. I have sons. This, what, what God is asking Abraham is, is hard. And we'll talk about that in a minute. And yet Abraham was absolutely willing to give up the most important thing in his life. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But then you realize, okay, again, this is why I showed you that picture of the mountain. Look at uh, the end of verse 3, where it says that Abraham arose and went to the place. Look at verse 4. On the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. Drop down to verse 9. When they came to the place... I just wanted to emphasize this morning that God's direction in this passage was pretty clear. Folks, I hope you understand that God wants us to know His will. God has revealed His will to us. And God wants us to know what that is. It's not a secret. It's not nebulous. It's not some magical secret. God wants us to know His will. God will direct in all thy ways acknowledge him he will direct your paths and I'm very thankful looking back in my life that God's direction showing us his will even coming here to Wyoming Valley Church and being a part of that absolutely convinced that that's what God has for me in his life and folks that's what I want for you is to be is to have that confidence to know that God is in this that God's will, study that phrase sometime in Scripture, God's will, God does direct. Let's, let's move on. The second thing in our little chart, the second word about the character, <coughs> excuse me, and the nature of God is that God's, is God's provision. As, as I said to start with number one, let me build a principle around the key word. And I said God will direct. God will direct for you to do His will. And I want to be as emphatic and as clear about, about principle number two. And that is God will provide. He will. God will provide. That is absolutely clear from this passage. And it's absolutely clear from Scripture. Folks, do the will of God. God will provide. Sometimes humanly we look at like, well, if God provides, then I'll do His will. No, 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 no. We need to do God's will, trusting Him that He will provide. And that's, that's the lesson of Abraham and Isaac. Do His will. Trust God to provide, not to say, if you do provide. That's, that's a very human way of looking at life. And, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't work. 
we do the will of God trusting that God will provide. Um, I've read it, but let me read it again. On the third day, they're on this journey, Abraham. Just think about, man, man, what Isaac thought during all of this. But let me, let me read it. I'll start with verse 4. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place, the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, the servants, stay here with the donkey. The lad, Isaac, and I will go yonder and worship, and we will, we will come back. I'll talk to you more about that in a minute. Verse 6, so Abraham took the wood and the burnt off, oh, the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac. Isaac had to even carry his, uh, the wood, unbelievable, <coughs> and took the fire in his hand, verse 6, and a knife. And the two of them went together. On this trip, Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Look, here's the fire, here's the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And then verse 8 says this. I can, again, I'm a dad. I can picture this. Abraham, on this journey, I showed you the mountains. Stopped looked at Isaac in the eyes and said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. And the two of them went on together. Abraham was so convinced that God would provide, that he was willing, again, we're going to talk about this in just a second, to put the most important thing in his life, Isaac. All of his dreams, all of his goals, all the plans for his life were wrapped up in Isaac. And he was willing to give that to God. And this is such an important part of the story that at the end of the story, he clearly understood that lesson. Because if you drop down to verse 14, Abraham called the name of the place, the mountain, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Folks, the principle here is God will provide. That's why we can trust him. It's so easy to trust in our own devices, our own strength, our own ideas, our own plans, our own goals. Abraham had plans and dreams and goals, and his passage talks about that. But he was willing to give all of those to God because he trusted God that much. He knew that, um, yeah, that God would provide. I know you know this, but in Philippians chapter 4, I didn't make a slide for this, but in Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul writes this to the Philippian believers, my, and I know you know this, my God shall supply, shall, shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus, my God. Now, that's a passage we often take out of scripture, and folks, friends, let me just say emphatically, study the scriptures and find out what does God need by your needs, not our man-made needs. Find out what God says. But God will provide. God will supply. Same idea. That God will supply. And then it says this. Philippians, as Paul, by inspiration of God, wrote to the Philippian believers. He, he wrote this. According to his riches in glory. A friend of mine, actually my former boss, Dr. Gordon Shipp, who was the president of Faith Baptist Bible College in Ankeny, Iowa, when I taught there, preached on this passage, and I'll never forget his illustration. He said this, Dr. Ship said this, 
if I were the wealthiest man in the world and you had an incredible need, and I'm the wealthiest man in the world, I'm the wealthiest man in the world, and you had a need, and I reach in my wallet and I take out of my wallet a dollar. I'm the wealthiest man in the world, but I give you a dollar. I am giving you out of my riches, not according to my riches. According to means I am willing to give you everything I have. According to means that God, God's perspective, that God has all of the resources in the universe. He spoke and the world came into being. That's the God who could provide. And this lesson that we have to learn today is that we need to learn the lesson that we can trust that kind of God. It's according to, it's not out of. We have that kind of mentality that God's going to give us a little bit out of. God, just, just, you know, God, according to, we have all of that. Folks, we can absolutely trust him. And Abraham had that. Uh, that was a lesson, I think, of the, the test, is that Abraham learned God will direct and God will provide. Let me just talk to you one more time about that idea of provision. Folks, don't forget, this is Easter Sunday, this or Easter, Easter uh, holiday time. Today is Palm Sunday, and next week is Easter, and Pastor Todd's going to talk with us about, again, the greatest provision ever is when... Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, gave us His one and only Son to do something which we humanly cannot do, and that is get our way into heaven. He sent His only Son. We celebrated that today. The death, burial, resurrection. We'll talk about that next Sunday, Lord Jesus Christ. That's the greatest provision ever. And so please, please, please make next Sunday a priority. We're going to talk about that. Now, quickly, quickly, just a few moments. Let's look at this story from Abraham's perspective. If we were to look at this story from Abraham's perspective, then there are two incredibly obvious principles that are true in Abraham's life here that God wants us, I I think, to learn this lesson too and for them to be characteristics of our life. And the first one is obedience. I've read down through the story a couple times, so I'm not going to do that now. But here's the thing. I've highlighted this for you. Okay, it's a test. It's a learning experience for Abraham. God, almighty God, out of heaven says to Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham's like, okay, yeah, God, here I am. And God says to Abraham, I want you to take your son. Your only son, the son you love. I want you to take Isaac. And I want you to go to this mountain, this place. And I want you to sacrifice your son. Folks, this is the absolutely incredible thing, humanly, of this story. God said to Abraham, I want you to take your son. And I want you to sacrifice the most important thing in your life. And Abraham, this is Mel's paraphrase of the story, and Abraham's like, okay. What? (laughs) Humanly, you read the story and you're like, what? I'm a dad. I'm a grandpa. I, I get the human emotion here. And I'm sure Abraham felt it. By this time in the story, read all the way up to Genesis to where we are now. Abraham already knew. That all the nations of the world would be blessed because in Isaac, that was a, 
a huge part of their life of Abraham and Sarah of having a baby in old age. And you could read about how they connived a little bit uh, going through the process and all of that. But everything was wrapped up in Isaac. All of Abraham's dreams, all of his goals, all of his plans of his life were wrapped up in Isaac. And God says, I want that. I want the most important thing in your life. And Abraham's response, human language, okay. And I, that's amazing to me. That, that his response was absolute obedience. Was absolutely to be obedient. Now, I told you we'd get to this in the story. And, and let me just tell you what I think was, was why Abraham could respond and say, okay. In your study of scriptures, just write this down. We'll turn to it later. In Hebrews chapter 11, the great... Hall of Faith chapter in Scripture. List all of these characters that are there for one thing. Some of them are very flawed. Some of them are very, very human. All of them are human, but all very flawed. Some of them are very weak people. And yet they're listed there because of their faith. And there it talks about Abraham, that Abraham was willing to do this, was willing to obey because he, was, he concluded sit down, think it through by faith, but cognitive thinking, thinking it through, he knew, in other words, that God would provide, that God was able to bring, if all of this had to happen, remember the whole story, he gets to the mountain, they take the wood, they take the fire, they take the knife, they take the wood, Isaac's on the altar, Abraham has the knife, think about that, he has the knife, right then God stops him, out of heaven God stops him. Abraham was that obedient. Why? Because I think he believed that God could bring Isaac back to life. Remember he said before, tell the servants, yeah, we'll be back. We'll be back. Because he thought even if, when I'm obedient to God, I'm going to kill my son. God told me to do that. We'll come back because God is able to do that. Folks, that's the lesson. That's what Abraham knew. Is he believed God that much. He believed God that much. No wonder he could be obedient. Friends, so can we. We have that same God that spoke and the worlds came into being. That same God that gives to us according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Not out of According to, we have that same kind of God. It only makes sense. Plus, he told us to, that we should obey. Pastor Todd, all week long, and I have been talking about this old hymn. (coughs) Written by a guy by the name of John H. Samus. S-A-M-M-I-S. I wonder if his friends called him Sammy. I don't know. Just Back in the 1800s, he wrote... This song, that if you grew up in the church, you know it. I, it's long, but I, I just copied down a few of the words, the lyrics of this song. Trust and obey. You've sung it. You, you know it. You've heard it. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, key, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, Got that? While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust 
and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Here's the next to the last stanza. And I even left out a couple, but here it is. But we never can prove, prove the delights of his love until all on the altar we lay. Isn't that what Abraham did? All of his goals, all of his dreams. Isaac on the altar. Everything that was important to him. I'm willing to give all of that to God because I trust God that much. For the favor he shows and the joy for the joy he bestows are for them, are for them who will trust and obey. And then the last stanza says this. Then in fellowship sweet, I love this, we'll sit at his feet. Wow. Or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says, we will do. Where he sends, we will go. Go to the land, to the Mount Moriah, to the place. What he says, we will do. Where he sends, we will go. Never fear. Only trust and obey. Trust and obey. For there's no other way. To be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Some of you at this moment want me to break out into song. I understand that. I am not going to. Nobody, nobody really wants that. Trust and obey. The second characteristic that I want to talk with you about Abraham is something I've highlighted all the way through. And that is his willing to, his willingness to put the most important thing in his life uh, on the altar. That is absolutely amazing to me. Abraham was willing to give up his dreams, his goals, his plans, all of that. He is willing to give all, willing to give all of that back to God. Folks, let me just tell you something. Humanly, I'm, I'll be brutally honest. This is a lesson, I think, that God's been trying to teach me. I'm, I'm, I'm an idiot. I'm a blockhead. I think God's been trying to teach me this for decades of my life, too. I, I think, I think here's, here's, the, here's the lesson. And that is uh, human, I'm a dreamer. I'm a goal maker. <laughs> I've always had plans. I've always had ideas of what I want to do. And it's, uh, the lesson that God has for me is that uh, God says, Mel, are you willing to give all of those things to me? Give your goals, your plans, your dreams to God. Because I think here's the thing. I think here's the thing. The things that are hardest for us to give up, humanly. If I had the ability, I'd look right in your eyeballs right now. I think the things that are hardest for us to give up are the things that often keep us from doing the will of God. Let me say it again. I think the things, this is the lesson for Big Mel. It is. The, thing, the lessons that are hardest for us to give up are often the things that keep us from doing the will of God. What are those things? Sometimes it's people. Sometimes it's things. Sometimes it's dreams. And humanly in this story, i got to believe that the hardest thing ever for Abraham to give up was Isaac. Yeah, he was willing to do that. I talked to you about that because he trusted God that much that he was willing to give that to God. 
I'll say it again. The things that are hardest for us to give up are often the things that keep us from doing the will of God. What are those things? Sometimes it's a person. Sometimes it's a relationship. Sometimes it's a desired relationship. Sometimes it's family. Sometimes it's kids. Here I am talking to you. I know. I know. I, I got a daughter who's single that's in Berlin, Germany, and theoretically can't even get to her, can't even get home right now. It's hard. I, I get it. One of the hardest things I've ever had to do was let Christy move to Germany, a place I'd never been. Let my little girl. Hard to give up. I get that. It might be our kids. It might be uh, occupation. It might be a possession, a house, a car, what, what, money in the bank, whatever it is. So let me, let me finish this line of thought with you for a minute, okay? Please hear me, and we're talking about Abraham's, the human side of this story, okay? And I know you know this. Did, did Abraham have to kill Isaac? No. God didn't take Isaac away. It was a test <coughs> in this series. Pastor Todd taught us about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The king said, when the band plays, I want you to bow and worship me. Everybody bowed down except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Don't you know, he shouted, I have the power to throw you into the burning, fiery furnace. I will kill you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, together, always, always mentioned together, said, even if that's so, God, even if we die, we're still not going to bow down. We learned the story. Pastor Todd taught us the story. Friends, did, Ab did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have to die? No. God was in there with them. See, sometimes what we're afraid of losing what we're afraid of losing is the thing that keeps us from doing the will of God. If we give those things to God, don't you believe that God who, who supplies all of our needs out of, <laughs> according to his riches? Not out of, that's giving us a little, that's according to his riches, that kind of God is going to take care of our dreams, our goals, when God's word already tells us that he, already tells us that he can give us the desires of our heart. Abraham was willing to put Isaac. Think about that. Isaac's on the altar, got the knife, and God stopped him out of heaven. The things that's hardest for us to give up are often the things that keep us from doing the will of God. And folks, don't let that. Trust God so much. Trust and obey. Trust God so much that we can obey because we know that he's got what's best. Abraham didn't have to kill Isaac that God was giving him a test to learn that. Do you trust me that much? And if we're willing to give our goals, our dreams, our plans, all of those things, the most important thing to God, God is certainly able to take care of those things more than we can. And that's the lesson that I'm still learning in my life. So let's conclude. Principle number one, the third box in the left-hand column is this. God always provides for us to do his will. He always provides and he always directs. <clears throat> always we can trust God God will provide according to his riches and glory not just out of praise God for that right and then the lesson from Abraham is that we must be willing to give up our own goals and dreams what's the most important thing to us 
to be willing to do what God has for us to do. And folks, God is certainly able to care for those things and to give those things back to us. Better, bigger, far greater, far bigger than we could ever imagine and have an impact for eternity because of that. What he says, we will do. Where he sends, we will go. Never fear. Only trust and obey. We can trust. We can obey because we, tr- we can trust that kind of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your will. I thank you for, for the familiar story in your word. Father, you direct. You do direct. Help us to learn the scriptures. Help us to know what you're saying. You direct for us to do your will. You provide. Always you provide. Not that you provide first and then we'll make the decision. That's human. But that we do your will, then you provide. God, that's, that's the story of Abraham. And Abraham was willing to say, okay, God, you want the most important thing in my life? You got it. Okay. I'm willing to put the most important thing in my life on the altar, knowing that God will provide and that God is certainly, you are able to handle those things. Father, help us. to trust and obey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, folks. (coughs) The message itself was at about 40 minutes, 45 minutes. Mm-hmm.